Who's excited about planning things? Who's got plans for tomorrow? Who's got plans for this afternoon? Who's got plans, I hate to say this, who's got plans for next year? Because we've been talking, at least I have, when when I've had a chance to get up here and preach on following Pastor Phil is not an easy thing to do um, but we, we've, we've got this this new season upon us this idea that spring is a time of refreshing and growth and um, you know, every time I go out into the garden um, now I'd say that once I've mowed the lawn I hate it because you go back out and the lawn needs mowing again but I actually have to be honest and say once Ben's mowed the lawn um, I feel sorry for him because Next day you go out and needs mowing again. Um, but he does a really good job. Thanks, Ben. Um, just a bit of a plug there for all of those lawnmowers among you. Um, but this idea that spring is a new season that brings new hope, uh, a new opportunity, is one that I want to look at because I think how our understanding of the biblical story is, is actually impacts on how we think about our place in this world. And I think a lot of Christians, especially when we think about our place in this world, the first thing that comes to mind is our shortcomings. Or is that only for short people who think that? Um, But, you know, we look at, especially if we read the Bible, we look at God's plan. Who knows that God has plans? Who knows that somebody really stuffed up? one of God's pla- big plans. It was a fairly big plan, I believe. Um, and uh, yeah, he had these co-rulers that he had designed and they, they stiffed him really badly. And they were, we're, we're, the, we're the descendants, if you like. We're, we're, we're living in a world of consequences because of what they did. And so the idea that we could actually do some a plan or do something of any value, the first thing we've got to, we come up against is the fact that perhaps you know we're like Bill and Ted we are not worthy there you go what's the movie um well caught um but hopefully as 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 I go further in in my message today you'll realize that our shortcomings probably aren't the actual issue and they may not matter as much as we think they do and everybody said woohoo because, you know, who knows we make choices for our life? Some of, t- some of them we regret, some of them we're really happy with. But we make choices, we make career choices. We make purchasing choices. We make relationship choices. We make faith choices, ideological choices, and moral choices. And we make all of these choices against the background of the reality of our circumstances. Is that true? We, we look at, we, we often make our decisions based on what we can see around us, what's happening to us at the time, um, what stage of life we're in. But there's also a second part to that where we actually have to take an opportunity, take advantage of those circumstances. And that's often based on what we see about ourselves. Uh, I mean, somebody once said that success is where opportunity and preparedness meet. And when it comes to things like career choices, just take a simple one, we can make career choices based on a certain set of circumstances. 
you might have an opportunity to go for a promotion that you want in your job. And so when that comes up, you'll apply for that position. You may be, unfortunately, in a position where you hate your job. And so you're looking for another job. You wanted to work somewhere else where the people are nicer or the job description fit, fits your um, skill set better. Um, and so you're looking for the opportunity to get another job. Uh, Pat, you may have just a, a desire to travel. And so you're looking for something that would enable that. You may want to work in a foreign country. And so you're looking for circumstances which will enable you to do that. But circumstances alone don't guarantee success in those choices unless we have a belief in our own abilities which is matched by reality. In other words, if you want a, a career in a certain field, you, you need to have done some study. You need to have done some hard work. You perhaps need to have got some work experience. Um, you need to have had some training. And when we do all of those things and we, we marry that with the idea of what our circumstances are taking us through, then we can have success in our career choices. And that, that seems all fairly straightforward. People, have people here made career choices? Are people at the moment making career choices? Because those are the, the, the ingredients that we need to, to bring about success in that area. Now, it's interesting, the last three choices I mentioned were faith, ideological, and moral choices. Now, there are also choices that are made within a, a framework of circumstance. But the choices we make in those areas are often governed by our upbringing, our education, and our cultural and community connections. But I don't know whether you've noticed this, that's not actually good enough, or it's not enough, for us to make good faith, ideological, and moral choices, as evidenced by the poor choices we see people making, indeed Christian people making, in our communities and the wider world. Even the fact that a 2018 survey found that 20% of millennials in the USA are no longer sure that the earth is a sphere is clear evidence of a failure in rational choice making. The fact that there is a strong Christian contingent in that mix is also a worry. So to make good faith, ideological and moral choices, whatever circumstances we may face, requires us to be confident in us knowing our place in the world. Or to put it another way, we need to know how God sees us. We also need to know what God's plan is for us, and we need to know how to get on board with his plan. Because without these things, we're just meandering through life, going with the current. So how does God see us? We know that from Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. It says, God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female. He created them. So as God's image bearers, guess what happens? The lights go out. Wow, that's a great picture, especially in the dark. Um, we get to live in Eden and walk in this, this garden with God. And I don't know what your thoughts about Eden are, but when people talk about the Garden of Eden, the idea of the perfect garden, 
comes up. It, th there's no mention of weeds in the Garden of Eden. And so there's this idea that everything was perfect. And there's this, this, this picture of serenity, contentment, contentment and fulfillment and no lawn mowing. And every desire we have is met. This is, this is the picture often as Christians we hold of the Garden of Eden. And so this is, this is the blissful start of our Christian narrative. And then, of course, we stuff it up. And we're no longer in a state of perfection. But there is a promise that one day we can be in this state again, that God will actually let us into heaven. Foolish. And this is a state of perfection. So all we have to do is work out how to get there and then just sit back and wait. I'm not quite sure that that's the actual narrative. And I think to think like this is to misunderstand the purpose of Eden and to sell ourselves and God's plan short. Eden was not a place of completement and bliss and lollygagging around in the garden with God. Eden was actually God's staging ground for his plan for planet Earth, which was to be conducted in full partnership with humanity. Before the fall, it was good. God said it was good, but it wasn't perfect. It wasn't complete. There was a task to be done. Our idea of the garden being perfect is actually wrong. It wasn't perfect. And this idea of the importance of that came to me. I, I was actually stole the title from a podcast that I was listening to, strangely enough. Um, but it actually changes the basic and fundamental way that, in which we think of ourselves and our, our use to God and how God actually sees us. Um, I think we get hook, hooked on this idea that Adam and Eve were banished from Eden because of their betrayal and their rebellion. Is that a fair, fair statement? But we get the feeling, and I, and I think this is a common misconception, that because Adam and Eve were banished from the garden, they were fired from their job. Which is actually not the case. Adam and Eve would, were never fired, they just had their access to the executive bathroom revoked. But their job description, their job status, actually never changed. And so there's this whole idea that We've somehow changed the goalposts and that things aren't the same, but God's saying no. No, the goalposts never changed. Your task, your job is still the same as it was before things got slightly screwed around. Take a short break and say hi to your neighbour while I have a quick drink. Okay, that's enough. So, the interesting thing is that if we look at, look at the other end of the Bible, come on, who knows what book's at the other end? Revelation, well done, you've read your Bibles, at least the beginning and the end. If you look at the end of the Bible in Revelation 22, a lot of Eden imagery appears in those chapters. And it's interesting that although it's at the end of the Bible, it, 
it's not portrayed as the end. It's actually portrayed as a new beginning. And so the Garden of Eden was actually the beginning. It was a place, to, it was a, 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 jump, a jumping off place for us to start co-ruling this earth with God. It was never a place that was perfect. It was never a place that we should actually aspire to go back to because Eden is basically an opportunity that was lost. And so God has had to provide other opportunities for us. And those opportunities are part of God's plan. So the question is, what is God's plan for us? So we're not living in Eden. You notice that? We're also not living at the point of Jesus' return, mentioned in Revelation 22. So how does God want to interact with us? Well, the good news, see what I did there? Is that God is so invested in humanity that he's bound himself to us to the point where he said Jesus to become our redemption, but also to become fully human. So that the story of God's world could move forward again with us as full partners with God. Which, of course, is the whole point of us being made in his image. So think of it this way. Apparently, God's vision of a perfect universe can't exist without humans. No matter what our shortcomings, no matter what problems we've caused God, his idea of a perfect universe includes us. Which tells me that his idea of perfection is probably different to ours. I mean, God has chosen, excuse me again, <coughs> sometimes the aftermaths of having a week of sickness are worse than the actual sickness. Have you noticed that as wounds heal and scab up, they get itchy? My throat's been raw for a week and trouble is it gets itchy, so I do apologise if I splutter and cough I am told that by this stage anything I cough over you is um, completely non-infectious and you just have the blessings of my uh, bodily fluids um, and uh, let's not go any further down that path um, God has chosen not to live without humans I mean, if Jesus' death and resurrection means anything um, as a statement about what God wants, it's that he wants to have his life completely bound up intimately with us, you know, humans. And that the story of this world is not complete until humans are fully united to God's own life and love. So how do, how do we actually get on board with this? We know, it sounds great and this is God's plan for us, but how do we, how do we actually get on board? And the trouble is that it's not hard. What does it actually look like when people are actively partnering with God? Well, it tells us in uh, Galatians 5.22, we partner with God through the presence of his Holy Spirit here on earth. And it says the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. 
Still not sure why they left that one to last. It says there's no law against these things. So whatever plans, whatever hopes, whatever dreams that you are working towards right now, perhaps we need to look at how we're approaching the outworking of these things differently. Because we're not a sinful people trying to wrest the tatters of a once holy life from a spiritual adversary who has the upper hand. Stop trying to get back to the garden. It was never a place of perfection, a dream to be recaptured. It was a possibility which never bore the fruit that it was intended to. And again, we're not engaged in taking back what the enemy stole, however catchy that song may be. If the enemy has stolen anything, it's because we've given him permission. We are still partnered with God. We are still co-rulers with him. We are still plan A. The Holy Spirit produces fruit in our lives as we let him guide our lives, as it says in Galatians 5.16. What are you making choices about right now? It might be big. It might be small. It might be about today. It might be about next year. It might be a career choice. It might be, what am I having for lunch? It might be a relationship choice. It may be a battle that you're fighting that you want a conclusion to. You know, we've, we've talked a lot about Seb's battle and Morella over there in Vietnam. But there are people right here, right now, whose vision and plan is, is to get well whose vision and plan is to throw off what is attacking them at the moment. There are other people who have done things that might sound mundane. You might have finished university study and are looking forward to going into the job market. It can be scary stuff. But if you've got plans and purposes, if you want your circumstances to meet who you are, then you need to know who you are and how God thinks of you. Perhaps it would be good for all of us to affirm that whatever circumstances we're making our choices in, we're making them confident in how God sees us, what God's plan is for us, and how we can get on board with this. Because that can change the picture of how your life moves forward completely. And I believe that that's, that's God's intentions for us on a daily life, daily basis, to actually get into our heads, get into our spirit, and enable us to change the picture of our lives, minute by minute, day by day, based on how we know that he thinks of us, that he has plans for us, and that he enables us to get on board. I want us to take a bit of time in a moment to, to actually think about that, to reflect on that, to actually take that on board. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up. And uh, perhaps if, if we can all stand, that would be great. I believe that our spiritual understanding of what we do, even just in our daily lives, 
can be different when we understand that we are not. Victims in anything that life throws at us. We sit with Jesus as our Lord and Saviour, but also as a fellow child of God. We have access to God's Holy Spirit whenever we need it. We have the power that comes with a relationship with Almighty God at our fingertips. But all too often we ignore it, we dismiss it, we fail to utilize that which God has put in our lives. So I believe today as we put our plans into action, as we think about what we're planning, we need to inject another variable, if you like, although it's actually a constant that we're putting into that equation. And the constant that God has our back, that God's plan is not always understandable in the moment to us. but that it does work out. The miracles are on the horizon. That if we don't give up, become weary about doing what he's asked of us, we will reap a harvest. So we're going to sing that song, Tremble, again. And as we do, I just want you, if you, if you are really serious, this is not just goals about, I'd like to have uh, a better job next year or I'd like to be well I'd like not to have hay fever every spring not just vague hopes And if you're actually planning you have a, per a plan in place to do something you are, you are going to be seriously praying about your illness you are seriously going to be studying for this job you are seriously planning and praying for circumstances in your life to change I want you to start to come out and fill the altar and as they, as they sing this song, we're going to stand here in the presence of God and just let His Spirit fill us. And at the end, I think we're just going to pray, just cement that in our lives as we leave today. So thanks, guys, if you sing it. Just, if you feel to, just move forward and fill this altar.